afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Life Hurts, God Heals. I'm your host, Chris Fulwin. So glad to be with you this afternoon on a fine summer day. I'm just astounded by the beauty that is around me. I think I need that kind of beauty to counteract all the discouragement I see around us. And there is a lot to be discouraged about, isn't there? There are different kinds of discouragement. There is the discouragement when you don't find your favorite food item on your favorite food shelf on your favorite food store. There's that kind of discouragement. There is the kind of discouragement that happens when a series of unfortunate events takes place on your week and it has caught you off guard and you can be kind of discouraged. Or your whole year can be turned upside down with events that were out of your control. And so now the education of your children and how that's going to happen is up in the air. Your job situation might be up in the air. If you're a police officer, certainly your job situation is uh, uh, uncertain, correct? Boy, there are so many uncertainties at many different parts of the dynamic of this American nation of ours. A land of freedom, and yet not so much freedom. Wow, how did that happen? How is it that we talk about freedom of speech, but very little freedom of speech without huge consequences? This is amazing. And I think it has been a long time in coming. You know, I was thinking that so many of the events taking place politically, economically, educationally, that we are, are seeing in our world, and, and when I talk about our world, I'm talking about our, our nation or our town. So many things that are being discussed, people looking for answers, and not many answers are being found. It is truly amazing how confusing this time is. I'm confused by it. But as I briefly mentioned just earlier, that some of these things probably have been a long time in coming. We just have not been very aware. I think of, I know this is going to be silly, and maybe we could use this as our silly time, because I wanted to forego the usual trivia times. I think the things we need to talk about today are not very trivial, so I'm not in a trivial mood, but I was thinking about, this will be silly, an ant colony. I was sitting outside and thinking about how unpredictable our world seems to be, and yet it's quite predictable. What's not predictable are the things that have uh, happened to us that have occurred as ripple effects from things long before. Now, what do I mean by all of that? Well, take, for instance, an ant colony. Now, the wonder of an ant colony is marvelous to think about. They, you know, you have these 10,000 ants, <laughs> okay, and yet they work as one unit 
and they feed and they mobilize and they care for their young and they create this pretty complex society all in unity. All in unity. <laughs> and look at our society all in disunity. And I thought to myself, what is it that would cause disunity for an ant colony? Well, certainly the invasion of another ant colony, that would create some problems, don't you think? I think so. But another uh, uh, disturbance of some sort that could not really be predicted, you just know it's going to come, but you can't really prepare for it, is the idea of a car. Let's say you're an ant colony, right? But if a car is approaching and is going to drive over your tunnels, how are you going to prepare for that? You really can't. It's a force beyond your control. Or if somebody walks over your doorway and kills a hundred ants, you can't really prepare for that. Those are forces outside of your control in your ant colony. And I, as a Christian believer, devoted to the Lord, doing my best to stay within the realm of the love that God has for me, I recognize in this world that it's a dangerous place. And there are lots of unpredictable forces forces bigger than myself that interact in my world. And all that I can really do is take care of the rocks that are in front of me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? In other words, if my job is to create tunnels or to move rocks, then, then I focus on that. And I do my best to do the best that I can. If my job is to guard the colony, then I'm going to do that. If my job is to, you know, look for food, then I have to do that. If my job is to care for the young, then I have to do that. But I can't really, I mean, I could think about the larger issues of what if, what if, what if that could destroy the colony. I could try to move my colony up into the mountains, okay, if I'm the political leader of the colony, only to find that uh, a large rainstorm or a firestorm or some other thing will come and destroy my colony. There is no place that I can run. And you know, putting the end of the parallel there, in our lives there are forces that are at work that are bigger than you and I. There really are. Some thinkers believe that a lot of what's taking place in our culture today is actually a ripple effect from an ocean liner, let's say, that passed by uh, our little bay about 50 years ago or even 100 years ago when some large occurrence like an ocean liner passed by or World War One passed by, or World War Two passed by, or the Great Depression occurred, 
or Vietnam occurred. And only now are we getting the ripple effects, the wave that is, you know, the, the, the what do they call it, the bow wave of these ocean liners that, that finally hits the beach. You know, even though that ocean liner might be a mile or two miles away. These are forces that are bigger than ourselves. And when I was thinking about all of this, you know, uh, I look at the, the chat and the comment sections of many websites, and everybody's hitting each other the best that they can. Um, in a very small cubicle or crucible, let's say, not even really aware that they've all been caught up in something much larger, have been affected by something much larger. You know, I don't think the pandemic virus caused a lot of the disunity that's being revealed in our country right now. I think the pandemic revealed the disunity. I think a current president that we have, I don't know that he's the problem. If you were to eliminate the current president, do you think that we would suddenly have unity? If you eliminated the pandemic, do you think we would suddenly have unity? No, because long before this president, long before the pandemic, long before anything, there has been disunity. It's just been intensifying. And suddenly we have these two catalysts over the last, well, with the pandemic, the last seven months or so, and with our current president, uh, the last three and a half years. But those two items are rather small, actually, compared to the great wave that began somewhere out deep in the ocean, some seismic event that is only now hitting us. And we can belabor and discuss all the big events that might have happened in our, in our people, okay, our nation, that has created this vitrolic hatred that occurs now. And, you know, the cancel culture that's being experienced now on both sides, both sides of the political spe spectrum, at least. It is, it is truly amazing. And as I was thinking this week about what the solutions are, I, d I don't know that there's a solution here. May I just say that uh, I don't think there's a political solution. <laughs> if, we, if we're looking to hire someone in November to fix this, I don't think that's going to work. In fact, I know it's not going to work. It's not going to work. In fact, I think things are going to get worse. Now, I'm not a prophet. I've been around a while. But so what? Many of you have too. I don't think this is going to heal. I think the rift, because it has cut 
through every part of our nation, every uh, sector of society, and every generation of society. Um, we've got a Grand Canyon rift, maybe we could call it a fault, that is like an earthquake, and the earthquake is still happening. And I don't think it's settling. And it may not settle for quite some time, maybe several years. I think we are in for a great change, folks. A great big change. Some people think civil war. No, I I mean, there is a civil war already going on, but it's not with guns and swords, is it? It's with words. It's with behaviors and actions. Mocking and scorn. There is, there is a divisive hatred that is developing for one another. It matters not that you're an American now. It matters on what ideology you are proclaiming. And even that is getting uh, divided and splintered in many different ways. So much disunity at so many different levels that I think this country is in for a world of hurt. Who would have thought that the breaking down of our society would have come from within? Well, we certainly know that that happened in history. Is history repeating itself? The Roman Empire broke down from within, not from without. Many large societies break down from within. Countries are no longer countries because they broke down from within. And, wow, the greatest nation in the world, so to speak, is falling apart at the seams. The buttons are popping. The seams are unraveling. Every part of our fabric is, uh, is being rubbed the wrong way. We're losing our color. It's, it's uh, astounding. So why do I bring all this up? Well, it's discouraging. And we can try to encourage one another. And that certainly is needed. But that's, that's, not, that's not going to help the Christian believer. Okay? And that's where I wanted to focus on. Where is our help? Well, I think you know it's in Jesus. But I want to intensify that if I might, because the times of our nation are pretty intense. I know that we look for political solutions. We believe our solution is, is if we can carry on a, a dialogue, right? If we can get on the same side. But how do you get on the same side with people who hate you? And they hate you, maybe not just for the color of your skin, now they hate you because you say something, because you believe something, because you're on one side or another of something. How do you have a dialogue like that? I don't know that you can. I think there is a lot of pain that is ahead for our country. And for those of us who are parents, we know this. That pain is the, is the thing that brings about change. 
and that change may not always be the best kind of change. But if there is going to be a positive change, it's usually because people are running away from the pain. They want to fix the pain. They pour energy, time, and thought into what will heal the pain. We're trying to heal pain in our country right now. But look at where we are trying to find answers. We're looking to to political authorities for answers. We're going to try to create consequences. We're going to punish uh, behaviors we don't want. Uh, the, the kinds of behaviors we need will no longer be kind of a free will, free choice, generous gift kind of behavior. It's, it's going to be a forced behavior. Well, forced behaviors never yield the kind of unity you want. Like I said, if you've raised a family, you know, you might be able to get your children to obey, you know, uh, sit in this corner, sit in this chair, but inside they are standing the whole time. How do you, how do you bring your children around to the place where they are following your lead, doing right things, making good moral choices because they want to? These are incredible challenges. So for us as believers, you know, the antidote for discouragement, we think, is encouragement. And there is some truth to that. We are going to need to flood the world with encouragement. But, you know, encouragement by itself, if there is not a purpose and if there is not a direction, if there is not a resource from which it comes, then it's just an end in itself. It's trying to paint a positive on a negative. And that doesn't last very long. And we as Christians have the long-term resource for our world. And so as I mentioned earlier, the, the intensity of the problems that are lying before us will require an intensity for the answers and recognize that the world is going to be looking for answers and intensifying the search for those answers in all the wrong places. But the real answer will be in changed hearts, having people actually follow one another, respect one another, love one another. How do we change those kinds of hearts? Well, may I just offer the solution that Jesus had? What was the solution that Jesus had? Was it, was it love one another? Well, that was part of it. But the greatest command was love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as you love yourself. See, this that the products of what we are seeing in our society, if we were to talk about a great ocean liner running by or some seismic event happening out in the ocean, that the, the ripple effect that we are feeling now, may I suggest, has nothing to do with a, a world war or an economic depression or... Uh, 
some kind of movement, whether it was a feminist movement or a Black Lives Matter movement or any other of a number of movements, may I suggest that those are little ships. But the the big ocean liner movement, the big seismic event that creates a tsunami several hours later, that the big event is the departure of society from a belief in God, from a belief in a moral authority outside of humanity, a dispelling of a belief in God, a rejection of the idea of a community of God's people. We call it the church. A rejection of the message of the church, that there is a God, that he does love us, that he does have the power to transform every single human heart. If ever there has been a rejection of God, it has been in this and the previous century. We call this postmodernism. You know, one definition that I heard that I think, at least from a spiritual perspective, is pretty accurate is the idea that more than half of the population of the United States, or really any nation, more than half have never stepped foot into a church. More than half have actually never heard uh, the gospel. More than half are absolutely unfamiliar with the, the Bible stories of the Old Testament, stories of Gideon and David and Moses, Elijah, all these miraculous stories. More than half of the population does not even know, know those stories, know what they mean. They've heard about Jesus, but they don't know anything about Jesus. They don't even know anything about Easter. They know very little about Christmas, if anything. Postmodernism is when more than half of the population knows nothing about God or faith or religion. I think that's the seismic event. That is the great ocean liner. And it has finally caught up with us. I know the atheists are thrilled out there. But the atheists are not the ones that I'm concerned about it all it is it is the average ordinary citizen who simply is unaware that there is a god who loves them and that this god sent his son to die for their sins that they could be free from their sins that they could walk in everlasting life and that life as an abundant prospect even now in the midst of turmoil, that they could know a deep-seated joy and peace and contentment every day because the presence of God now abides within them through His Spirit in the inner man. Wow, so many people do not know this. This is not part of their daily experience. So they don't have a hope. They they put their hope in politics or a politician. They put their hope in an ideology. 
They put their hope in their capacity to to create income. So they put their hope in their talent, their skill. But the only hope that produces the kind of change in a person's heart, which then multiplies in the people around them, is this hope of eternal life. The hope of heaven. The hope, the daily hope, of God being with them. He is a refuge in time of trouble. So if there is ever the need for an intense message in a world that is experiencing an intense turmoil, it is this. The world needs Jesus. And the community of believers needs to share that message. They are going to need to be even more bold. We can talk and discuss and we can debate about what the solutions are for our country or for our world or for the stresses that it feels. But folks, those things are temporary. People need permanent solutions. Not to change the world, but to change their own world. For people to become truly loving, truly tolerant, truly free, is to experience the wonderful love of God, who doesn't just tolerate us, but is passionate for us, regardless of race, regardless of culture or creed that we live by. God knows us. God loves our national cultures. He loves the color of our skin. He loves when we enjoy one another, when we produce creative and quality things, For one another. He loves when we love one another. Oh my. Because then we are more truly walking in the image that he created us within. But I'm just encouraging us in the face of discouragement to intensify our own relationship with God. To spend time there. To find that he is the peace that we need, not a politician. That he is our employer, not the business that we work for that either is currently employing us or has furloughed us or has kicked us out. That God is our employer and that we can look to him to find the job that suits us or to find the job that he wants us in and to work it, to work the field. You know, as we talked about the ant colony, whether it's, you know, raising the young, searching for food, defending the colony, or building the tunnels, you know, finding that niche and working it. And you work it, you know, with your limited vision. You don't need this large uh, vision of what's going on in the world. Because you know there are forces bigger than you. So all you and I can do is do our best. 
but we can do our best knowing that we belong to the greatest force in all the universe. To know that He calls us children of God when we believe in His Son. To know that we have an eternal and perfect future that lies ahead. That this broken world, full of broken people, has powerful forces, satanic forces at work. Forces that we can't see, and yet here they are, squeezing us and pressing us, demanding our life, may even be challenging us to choose. Are you going to choose us, or are you going to choose your God? What's it going to be? It is about standing up, rising up, not for the cause of an ideology, but for the cause of Christ. Can I encourage us that way? This is, what, this is the solution our world needs. The world needs to hear from the church. Our nation needs to hear from the church. Does this mean that the church needs to speak in some kind of official way? You know, my denomination is making a pronouncement. My church is making... No, 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 no. That's not what God means. That I mean, that may have some kind of effect, but, you know, that almost sounds a little political, doesn't it? No, it's far more grassroots than that. We're talking about loving our neighbor. I mean, really loving our neighbor. Making a decision to be generous, regardless of their skin color, regardless of their ideology, regardless if they are left or right or libertarian or radical or extreme, regardless, uh, I'm going to be generous. I'm going to be kind. And if I get slapped across the face, I'm still going to be kind. Why? How can I do that? Because my resource within my spirit is connected to the Holy Spirit who has unlimited resources. Okay? What does an ant colony do when the, uh, the tunnels are crushed? When the floods come? They just keep rebuilding. They rebuild. They do what they do best. What is it that Christian believers do best? What is it that a Christian believer does best? We often focus on, you know, a variety of different things. But let me tell you, what we should be doing best is what God does best for us. He loves us. He makes our lives beautiful. And even though he gets mocked and shunned, he doesn't stop. He forgives and moves on. Father, forgive them. And then he keeps pressing in, making lives beautiful. Bringing grand generosity to people. He still reigns, brings his loving reigns on the just and the unjust. The sunshine, the food on the just and the unjust. His mercies are everlasting. His compassion is boundless. And he's asking you and I as believers, be like me. Do what I do. See what I'm doing? Do it. Wash the feet of the dirty. 
intensify the message of Christ. Don't intensify the message of conservatism. Don't intensify the message of being liberal or in the middle or centrist. Don't intensify the message of protecting the planet or protecting jobs or whatever it is. If there is a message that needs to be intensified, it is God's love for people. Don't just love people to to let people be attracted to you. You love people and tell them why you're loving them. Because Jesus loved me. I'm going to be generous toward you. It doesn't even have to be a pocketbook. It means that I'm going to be kind and I'm going to smile. And I'm going to out loud say the world needs Jesus. I'm going to be unashamed with that. If I ever get confronted in an argument, what should I be what should I say? The world needs Jesus. Oh, they'll be mocking and laughing and scorn. It happens in the comments on a thousand web pages every day. Someone mentions Jesus as the answer. Ho ho ha ha, what a joke, that's a myth. But keep doing it because that is the true answer. That is the true true answer. Invite people to your church. Tell them about Jesus. You know, I know that you can't share at the work. You can't talk about Jesus in the workplace. But you know how you do this? I have experience with this. I've worked many secular jobs. All right, I can't bring up Jesus. But if someone asks me why I'm so happy, Why am I always singing a song? Why am I always whistling? Why am I always smiling? You have every right to say, well, because Jesus loves me. Would you be bold to say that? I remember being confronted. I I worked for a pizza joint once, and I worked for a restaurant. And in both cases, when I applied for the job, the boss, would look at the resume and say, oh, you're a pastor. Well, let me remind you. And I said, I know what you're going to remind me of. We're not going to talk about Christianity, right? We're not going to talk about God or Jesus, right? And they said, yeah, you know, that needs to be done on your private time. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll say, I totally agree. But if somebody brings up the subject first, If somebody asks me a question, I put it to the boss. I said, do I have a right to give them my answer? And they said, yeah. And I said, okay. And you know what? In every secular job I've worked, and I've worked in 13 secular jobs, every single one, except for the two or three when I was in high school, okay? Still trying to figure out my faith, okay? So maybe it's down to 11. In every single one of those jobs, I lived my Christian life outwardly. Okay, The joy that I had in my heart, it showed up on my face. It showed up at Christmas. It showed up when I was asking people uh, how their children were doing or how their 
how their loved ones were doing, when they, when they brought up concerns, when I showed compassion, when I gave money and assistance and help. So that when they asked the question, why are you doing this? Ta-da! That's my opening. I'm doing this because Jesus loves me and I know that Jesus loves you. That's all you need to say. And if the conversation goes further, deeper, more intense, you have permission from the boss. But even if you didn't have permission from the boss, you can be respectful of, of the general rules in our society, which say you can't proselytize and you can't preach and you can't do these things because of, you know, you don't want to offend anybody, blah, 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 okay? But you can wait for the opportunity when someone asks. Now, it might be a risky thing. You might lose your job. But who is your employer? Who is your boss, right? My encouragement for us in, in the world of discouragement is to intensify your relationship with Christ all the way. Keep going. Spend time with God. That's what we've been always encouraging in these Life Hurts, God Heal episodes. Get close to God. He is the answer. He will speak to you daily if you're listening. He will give you the wisdom and the counsel you need for your family, for your work, for your friendships, for your internal emotional stabilities. Because this world is hard and it's broken and it's breaking. And it will continue to do so. And in some cases, far worse. So the answer is, get close to God. Intensify that relationship with God. And then intensify your living in Christ out in the world. When you're shopping for food, you be praising God, okay? You be living in the joy of the Holy Spirit. You be found with counsel from on high when people are needing answers. You have the generosity of a Grand Canyon, okay? Huge and massive. It doesn't mean you have to be wealthy. What did Jesus say about the lady who, who gave that little penny? And Jesus said she gave all that she had. Her generosity was Grand Canyon generosity compared to the Pharisees and Sadducees who had their thick billfolds and were putting in 10%. It matters not the amount. It matters the largeness of your heart. Live generously because of Jesus. Live lovingly because of Jesus. You see, when we say things like love your neighbor, loving one another, and the world might mock us, well, that's not, that's not a big enough answer to fix what ne what's, what's broken here. Mark my words, it is. It is exactly what is needed. And it may seem small. It may seem one at a time, one on one. But the issue here is there is a force that is bigger than politics can fix. There is a force bigger than economics can fix. There is a force at work here that is bigger than just 
education can fix, or force can fix, or control can fix. The only thing that can countermand this massive force of a car rolling over our ant colony, or a flood, or a fire uh, zooming down a hillside where our ant colony is, there is only one force that can countermand that, and that is the unrelenting love of Jesus for us. It empowers us. It gives us hope, endurance for the future. That's where our hearts need to be. Folks, I hope you're encouraged by that. That was my hope. That's what I'm leaning on and leaning into. I hope you are too. I want to bless you in the name of Jesus. Carry on the good work that you're doing in His name because He's the, he's the one that makes life matter. God bless you in Jesus' name.